Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zach Meisenheimer. We're going to bring you an hour of Whitecaps chat, analysis, fun, and whatever else kind of pops into our head. The long wait is nearly over. We're only three days away from the Whitecaps facing serious competitive action in the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal first leg against New York Red Bulls. Not the ideal kind of build-up we were hoping for. The The pre-season ended with a horrible 2-1 loss. Yeah, on Wednesday to Portland. And we talked a lot about that game in our live Mixler broadcast that, that we did during the game on Wednesday night. If you haven't heard that, check that out. Mixler.com, that's M-I-X-L-R.com backslash A-F-T-N. You can find all this stuff from Wednesday night on that. A lot of chat about the game. The only thing I really want to say about it is for a team that had looked so good defensively in some of their early pre-season games, that Portland game just opened up a floodgates of worrying again about how the defence is going to be this year. Some absolutely horrendous defending for the two Portland goals in particular, but also a number of Timbers breaks that they had. There was absolutely no marking no urgency, no pressure on Timbers players. And so many times you could freeze the frame and see three, four, five Timbers guys unmarked on the edge of the box. And of course, for the goals, you could see the Timbers players, Valeri especially, unmarked in the box. And when you've got players as dangerous as Valeri and Addy, you cannot just leave them unmarked to, to wander about and do what they want. But apparently that's what the Whitecaps did on Wednesday night. And of course, the other really, really bad news to come out of Wednesday night, because, I mean, you can handle a, a pre-season loss. It's a learning experience. It wasn't the, the number one strongest lineup that the Whitecaps had out there. But the the worrying thing is, Jordi Reyna came on for a late cameo appearance on the second half, as he's done all pre-season games so far that he's played in, came on the pitch, lit it up, added a, a spark to the Whitecaps' attack, excited everyone, but possibly too much trickery for his own good. Did a little move, got hurt, had to go off, had to get helped off, and we were told that he was getting wheelchaired up the sideline after the game. At the time of recording this, we don't know the official status update for Reina, 
but it's not looking good. He put a picture out on Thursday on his Instagram account from Portland Airport where he was wearing the dreaded walking boot on his foot. And it's just speculation on our part just now, but we've seen this so many times with Whitecaps players over the, the last couple of years, unfortunately. When the players have those boots on, it's not a good sign. Memories of what happened to Christian Dean last preseason kind of coming back. He had the boot on. He injured it round about the same time. And he was out till mid-May, didn't return to training till the end of May. Obviously then re-injured himself and was out for the season. But again, we're speculating. We haven't had anything official. It's just not looking good for Reina just now. We do worry that he's going to miss the first couple of months of the season. And with the way that he was playing... And with the way that other Whitecaps players were playing, that's going to be a massive blow for the Caps, and especially to their their CCL hopes. But we'll, we'll come to the, the New York game in the second part of this show. It's been a, a busy time. The Whitecaps finally have added their new designated player, Striker. And it was a name that just kind of came a little bit out of the blue. I mean, we, we spoke to Carl Robinson down in Wales. There was a couple of names in the frame. And former Seattle sounder Freddie Montero was not one of them. No. But Robo said the, the deal's been on the table for a couple of weeks now. There was interest from Orlando City to, to try and attract him there. But Montero's connection to the Pacific Northwest, his wife being from Tacoma having family down there. Mauro Rosales. Mauro Rosales as well, kind of brokering the deal and yeah. introducing the two parties. Robo said as soon as he knew Montero was available, he wanted to make him a Whitecaps player. That's happened. And the Whitecaps have, have had to give up a, a lot of money to, to make that happen. Yeah, He's brought the Colombian to British Columbia. And I, I think a wonderful bit of trolling by the Whitecaps as well to give Montero the number 12 number. Because, as we know from the Sounders and the Seahawks, down in Seattle, they love having the number 12 as the fan number. So why not take their leading all-time scorer, former pinup boy, and give him the number 12 number here in Vancouver? Excellent stuff. At least it doesn't seem to be the cursed number 7 or number 9 number, so that, at least that's a good thing. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. First of all, let's just hear from Robo himself. He did a conference call with media on Wednesday, just talking about the whole Montero transfer, how it came about, what he's hoping he can bring to the team, what it means for other players on the team and for other things down the road. So let's hear now from Vancouver Whitecaps head coach, Carl Robinson. First thing to ask you, I guess, then is, where do you see Freddie fitting into this team? When he's been with Seattle before, he's kind of played as maybe the number two striker or, or in a partnership. Do you see him coming in as a straight number nine for you? Or do you see him working more in conjunction with maybe, say, Jordi? Yeah, I think he, the plan always is to try and bring in the right combinations and I think Freddie is such a good, talented player that he can play as the nine, he can play as the ten. He can also play as a as a as a drifting player inside as well. So, you know, predominantly the plan is to bring him in as the number nine uh, and and complement the other players we have. You know, we do play with nine and ten, and Rudy's a different type of number ten forward to what Pedro Morales was. It was a more deep play in number ten. So, um, I think the, the two of them hopefully can have an understanding and and work together very well. 
just talk about, uh, you know, the impact of having legitimate goal scorer in the lineup. Frederick takes off the other guy, putting them in a more comfortable position. Hopefully it takes a lot of pressure off the other guys, but, you know, we are a team and an organization that uh, has to do things by committee. And I've said that all along. You know, we we had Camillo three years ago. He, he broke through and scored 23 goals in one season. But prior to that, he'd only scored five and six goals. And, you know, we could we could go with the group we had and, and keep waiting and waiting for maybe, you know, Eric Cotardo or Giles Barnes, who scored 10, roughly 10 a season, or Kakuta Mane to break out. But, you know, the opportunity come with, with Freddie that, you know, we could, we could bring in a, a proven goal scorer someone who's played in MLS, we know played it with Seattle up the road, but also someone who's gone on then to score goals at the next level and obviously scored goals in China, so it was a no-brainer for me. It was a simple one. He fits into the type of players we like and also the locker room because we have a lot of South Central Americans. Why has it been so hard to find that guy? I mean, you've gone to quite a number of players trying to fill this role. Yeah, listen, it's... Uh, anyone who thinks signing players is easy, um, unfortunately, is mistaken because, you know, if, if you have $5 million, then you go and spend spend the money on David Villa, and then you don't really need to do much homework on David Villa. If you've got $5 million and you want to spend it on Robbie Keane, you don't need to do much homework on Robbie Keane, but we haven't got that. You know, we brought in Octavio Rivera, we know that, he was a young player, um, and he fitted into the budget parameters which we worked in, you know, so those are the things that, you know, people on the outside don't see. We have to find players that fit into the category of, of our budget restraints. And when you do that, then obviously the search gets narrow. You know, you, you, you either take a risk on an older player or you take a risk on a younger player. And we've done it on a younger player uh, with Octavio. And Octavio for the first six months of the season was, was outstanding. And then he couldn't settle. Uh, this time we're going for an experienced player, but someone who's still got plenty of years left. Uh, we took advantage of bringing him on loan um, loan for a year was an option so that's, that's what we're really excited about Are you ready for, for the 22nd or is, or is that that too soon? Yeah that's probably a little bit difficult you know I think the, if you're ruling it with your head you'd say yes you put him in but you know I, I can't do that I, I'll base it on what Freddie and his first day training today with us and you know he looks good he's a good player so uh, I'll go on what he says if he feels he's ready then we'll look at it but for the sake of one or two games, I will not put him at risk because it's going to be a long season. The problem you have with Champions League games, you know, which the MLS teams are having, is you want to try and get your roster sorted sooner rather than later in preparation for the first game. The other team's not involved, have the advantage of an extra two weeks. So uh, I won't rush the process as much as I'd want him to play, um, but I'll do what's right there in the medium and long term as well. Obviously, you, you've got a number of strikers on board just now. It raises questions, I guess, about Giles with his salary. If you're looking to bring other people in, does somebody like Giles need to move on for you to make that cap space? No, no, no. We're, we're pretty set now. If, if the season started tomorrow, we'd be fine. Am I looking at strengthening in other areas? Yes. Uh, and probably to strengthen other areas, then I might have to move one or two. Um, but that's what I do. As you said, it's the fun bit is the coaching bit, you know, when you get on the coaching field every day, but and the difficult bit is being on the phone, uh, listening to a lot of good stuff, but also a lot of uh, telltales and stories that people want to tell you. So uh, we, we're trying to strengthen other areas. We will, um, but obviously then there might be one or two other changes, but you know, nothing will change in relation to us trying to make the squad, the group, better and stronger, uh, and that won't stop. 
And just to clarify, you mentioned that you've got an option on Montero. So the club have a chance to buy him at the end of the year, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Carl, it's Mark. How are you? Hey, Mark. Um, in terms of just the finances here, you give up 225 grand combined in Tam and Gam in 2018. If this does turn out to be a one-year loan, is, still, is that money well spent, or is this a player you really uh, hope to sign to a longer-term deal here? Yeah, well, it's, it's a bit of both. Hopefully, the, the town money goes up to 225 grand next year. That would help. Um, but you know, the, the way the league is progressing, obviously, it's, it's getting better. Players are getting better, and you know, the cap, cap changes every year. So you know, we have to make a decision in the short term what we thought was right for us to get a, a centre forward now. Because as soon as Freddie Montero was coming back to the league, we have to make sure we did everything we could to try and bring him to our football club. Um, sometimes you overpay, sometimes you underpay. But the right thing to do was to give up future assets, which we did, um, because we need a goal scorer now. So if we don't, if we don't, and we wait till next year, and we don't score many goals this year, then people aren't happy. Um, you try and keep people happy. Is Giles a DP this year, Carl? As it stands, or have you used Tam to buy him down? Yeah, no, we're um, we, we've got a number of options with regards to two or three players that we can do. Um, how we juggle it and who, who we make a DP or, or a non-DP and buy down with some money. So that's something that I'll sit down with Greg and we'll go through um, to try and tidy that up. But the important thing was it that we brought in a DP centre-forward that we know is a proven goal scorer. So is it, is it possible you could add another DP? Uh, if we if we decide to move, if it's within our budget, <laughs> budget, then of course we'd like to look at other things. But if we can't do it, we won't. And if we can, we will. But that will make that will entail moving a piece that we already have here. If you're looking at kind of Montero's stats in MLS, I think maybe an aspect of his game that gets overlooked is how much he creates. Because looking at his assists here, it's like 7, 10, 9 and 8. Are you going to expect a lot of kind of creative work from him? And you talked about like everything's done by committee. But is that an aspect of his game that really appealed? Not only can he score, but he is also great with creating. Yes, he did, without a doubt. And you know, if you look at the guys that we had with, with Camilla, with Kenny Miller, and, you know, we're trying to get these guys up to double figures. That's Pedro Morales last year. And, you know, uh, goals and assists, you know, the key attacking players are judged on that. You know, they're not judged. I judge them on how, how well they work defensively and what their role within the team is. Um, but people on the outside who don't watch games in detail or just watch the highlights judge players on goals and assists. So we know Freddie likes to create goals. He's very unselfish. Uh, but we also know he likes to score goals as well. And that's what attracted me to him was, you know, he's a good all-round team player. Uh, who, who likes to make everyone else around him better, which is key. You know, he's not just a selfish goal scorer, which sometimes you need, and uh, sometimes people can be. Robbie Keane was exactly like that. You know, he was able to supply goals as well as score goals. So uh, he's in that category. And, like, he's obviously coming from major rivals off the club. D- did, did you have that chat with him? I know some supporters have spoken to you about that in the past, but do you speak to a player about that, about what it's like playing against a, a team that is his previous team's rivals? In, in football, sometimes you don't dictate where you go. And, you know, you have to make decisions based upon what's right for you. And, you know, Seattle are a, a fantastic club. They're our neighbours. They're our rivals. We know that. Um, you know, but I've got the utmost respect for, for them as an organisation and, they had Freddie Montero a couple of years ago. Uh, he done great for them. You know, to be their all-time leading scorer is a fantastic achievement.
achievement. And, you know, they they then decided to sell him and he moved on and he went and played for two different other clubs before he wanted to return to Major League Soccer. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think the, 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 mostly Seattle fans will respect what he's done for him and appreciate what they've done for him, but he's at the next chapter of his life now. So football players are about, you know, playing what they do on the field and, you know, Freddie will be judged with us as what he does on the field and I'm sure he'll come and do a great job. Um, and I was speaking to him, he's a real key guy. Uh, he's a down-to-earth person. Um, you know, and he, he wants to keep everyone happy, uh, and he'll keep me happy by scoring goals for me. He's he's a guy that he's he's been over in Portugal. He's done well. He went to China. Has he spoken to you? Like when Octavio came here, he kind of wanted to put himself in the shop window by doing well here, and then maybe getting a better move. Does Montero see his long term future in MLS, or is he kind of wanting to kind of put himself in the in the shop window again? That's great. Thanks, Carol. You're welcome. So, Carl Robinson there talking about Whitecaps' newest signing, Freddie Montero. He's a guy that's well known to us. We've yeah. watched him from before the Whitecaps were, were even in MLS. Didn't like him. Didn't like him back then. I like him now because he's a white cap, but I know that that is not a feeling that that everyone shares. Now, for me, he is a player that the white caps needed. He's a goal scorer. In fact, he is Seattle Sounders' leading goal scorer with 60 goals and 42 assists in 160 matches. And that's like MLS, US Open Cup, Champions League. Yeah. Then he was with the, the Sounders for four years, 2009 to 2012. Went to Colombia on loan and then got a permanent transfer to Portugal. Scored 37 goals and 12 assists in 94 appearances, including Champions League play, Europa League play and, and goals in Portugal's Primera Liga with Sporting before heading over to China. Yeah. For, I for five million? Five, five, four or five million euros yeah. is what it was believed to be at, at the time. Wanted to come back to MLS. His family's from this Pacific Northwest area. His wife is from Tacoma. And for me, he's a great pickup by the Whitecaps. He's a guy that can can score. He's a guy that's proven he can score in MLS. There is a concern that he's never played as a, a prime striker. He's always kind of been a secondary striker. He's played in a partnership. But as you heard Robbo say there, he's looking at him as the number nine. He's looking at him as his main striker. Do you think he can do the job? My only concern is, um, and I think this is brought up on Twitter uh, by a number of people, and I totally agree with them, that the Whitecaps right now don't have a midfield that can support Freddie Montero. They need so, a midfielder that can bring the ball. Uh, Reina a little bit, probably, but the, uh, the, the two holders right now, the two guys, the double shield, 
is not good enough to get the ball up to the thing. So they're going to have to work the ball wide and then get it back into Montero. On, and, and they're not going to be... He, he's shown some capability of, of heading the ball in, but I don't think that, is, that would be his main thing. That he, he needs the ball on the floor, get that half step, and then score. As, as someone pointed out during our, our live feed that we did during the, the Portland game out on Wednesday night, if the team played like that with Montero up front, he's going to starve. He's not going to get the service. No. The, the good thing, though, as we talked about with Robo there, is he is creative. He's added a number of assists over the years. And you're kind of hoping that between him and Reyna, they can get something going. One makes for the other, one finishes, vice versa. You, you just have this fear at the back of the mind that we've had players before that have scored before they come at the White Caps, that have scored after they've left the White Caps, but, but for whatever it. reason, <laughs> they just can't do it in a White Caps jersey. Yeah. I mean, is that a concern for you, Zach, that that might be the case with Montero? Have we seen his best days in MLS? I think there is definitely a concern about the service that our current squad will provide to our center forward, to our striker. I think that's a huge issue. I also think that um, the way we have been playing uh, over previous years is with the emphasis on width and getting balls into the box. And this current Loney is not someone who is good in the air, especially with his head. And so that's a a concern. And, And if you couple that with him in an ideal situation playing with Jordi Reyna, who's shorter than him, Yeah. Uh, also not known for his aerial presence, it will require some further adjustments to how we have played. And based on the preseason, I don't know if we're any further in making those kind of adjustments. And again, without further additions, and I know Rob Bull has talked about there are ideally one or two more players I'd like to bring in, including someone in central midfield, without those further additions, or if those additions say don't come until the summer transfer window, yeah. We couldn't just have a strike force that is, is starved for service, and if they fail to create themselves, uh, they won't be successful, and therefore I think it will be hard for our club to be successful. I think essentially if they, they need, at this point, because of the, the personnel they have on the field, they need to get the, the ball out wide, and they need to work the ball down the, down the sidelines, and get it back in somehow. They need to. They, they, those four guys, those four attackers, whether it's Mane, uh, Montero, Reyna, or Bolognas, if he's healthy, or somebody else, those four guys are going to have to carry the load for the attack because, and, and get some support from the fullbacks because the, the midfield is lacking right now. The two guys, uh, Jacobson and Lapa. I, I mean, Robo said there again, talking about goals are going to be by committee because everything with the team is done by the committee, yeah. which isn't surprising because the club is run by a committee. So it, it's, it's commi- <laughs> committee from top to bottom, really. But the, the expectation is that although Montero is going to be the main striker, he's not going to be the person that they're going to put all the weight on to get the goals. He's going to expect a number of goals from Manny, a number of goals from Davies, from Reyna, Barnes if he plays, from the defenders contributing. That's fine that he's thinking that. The pressure is going to be on Montero from the start, partly because he's come from a rival, partly because he's done it before. Three-time MLS All-Star, newcomer of the year in 2009 as well. He comes, in a, in a sense, when we had a, someone like Rivero who was an unknown, 
you hoped he was going to do well, and but maybe there wasn't as much pressure on him. But then he, he goes off on a tear, so that then puts the pressure on him. Someone like Montero, you're expecting him to come in and right away hit the ground running and find the back of the net. And if those goals don't come, the pressure's going to get turned on him big time. And, and the thing is, I think uh, there has to be some expectations, because I think, I, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken... Um, the, the Chinese Super League is right now in its preseason as well, and they haven't started their year too. So um, Montero might be—I don't know if he's in the same, but he might be less than what the Whitecaps are at this point. He might be behind in in, uh, in fitness and everything. He might be behind what the Whitecaps are. So it'd be interesting to see how quickly he can adjust. I don't think it would be a problem to adjust the MLS game, but just his fitness and everything. And looking at him as well, he's five seven and a half. So he's not a tall guy. Reina's not a tall guy. He's an average taller than Camilo. Manny's not a tall guy. Alfonso's quite tall. Camilo was better in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. But we have a very small attack. Kyle Gregg, who's unproven in MLS. He's our only big target. He, yeah, he's our only target man. You've got, you've got Who Kendall. Who acts like a target man, yeah. too. Like you got, you get, Barnes can be the target man, but he doesn't yeah. play like it at all. You've got Kendall coming up for set pieces and stuff like that. Timmy Parker as well. But basically, Kyle Gregg, if you want to change things up off the bench and you need something a bit different, Kyle Gregg is your only guy that's anything different to bring on. And he, and he hasn't played an MLS minute yet. And I know we, we, have, we haven't talked about the Portland game, but he, he did impress quite a bit when he came on late in the game. I think with 10 Yeah, 15, his, his Hustle won the free kick free that the Sheriff scored. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a strange, strange time. It's, it's an addition that in some ways, just as we said at the start, kind of came a little bit out of left field. And I know there's going to be some amongst the support that won't like the fact that he is a former pinup boy for the Sounders. One in particular in the studio right yeah, now. Yeah, and I, I know exactly. The one that's very quiet. You, you have mixed feelings on that. Do you want? Do you, anything you want to say on that, or? No, I, I, I don't. I don't want to see our club sign players who used to play for Seattle. That's Well, we know that from Mauro yeah. Zales. Yeah. Mauro Zales, yeah. Sebastian Latou. You're the first person I thought about when I heard about Montero. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that's that's great. Um, no, I, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, it's not it's not about... Well, <laughs> with this player, it's about the principal, but then it's also about the, the player as a person and their past and whatever. So, I think there's issues on, on both things. So, the principal, yeah. I think that we should... Not be bringing in players uh, from 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 Seattle specifically. I'm not as uh, I know some people feel this have strong feelings about say Montreal, Toronto, and Portland as well. But for me, Seattle is the one that I really don't want to see players because to me they're our most significant rival, most close rival, that kind of stuff. And I know that there are probably not a lot of people who feel that way, and that that's fine. But um, that is how I feel in principle. But then you also have to look at it, what happens when they do come in, right? Like Sebastian Latou was kind of fine on the okay on the field it didn't didn't last very long but he was okay on the field because he just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs uh i remember some of our european footballers talking about him and saying you know he's not a footballer he's just like a track star or you know a a long distance running athlete or whatever but he 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 didn't really i didn't think was fully embraced really i know that there there were definitely some issues in the locker room between him and certain players uh, because of how he handled certain situations. Mar Rosales, I think, was very different. Mar Rosales came in, I think, uh, yeah, that was difficult for me personally. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't really excited about that. But Mar Rosales, 
I did, loved Mayro. He did show respect for the club. He showed respect for the supporters in, in a couple different uh, ways. And uh, ultimately contributed a little bit and I think uh, was appreciated for that. Freddie, what happens with, with this, this current signing, this current loanee, I think will, like you, like you said, Michael, it'll all be, if they produce, people will love him. Uh, but for me, it'll be more, does he respect our club? Does he respect our supporters? Uh, and also, does he, does he perform on the pitch? Uh, the last thing we want to say about Montero in this segment as well is, for, for all the talk that we're having about him, he's going to be with the White Cats for this year. But we don't know whether he's going to be a white cap beyond 2017. If you look at what the white caps had to give up to, to get Montero here, they had to get the number one ranking in the allocation ranking order. So they had to get that from Minnesota United. They got that by giving up, and this, this is what I find confusing. They gave up $100,000 in general allocation money, GAM, from 2018. So future GAM. They gave up $125,000 in targeted allocation money in 2018. Future TAM. And they gave up a 2017 international roster spot. So you're giving up money for next year for a player that you might not have next year. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to get your head around. But also, normally on loan deals... The club that's taken the player on loan has a set amount that they can buy that player for at the end of the loan deal. And although we asked Carol Robinson about do the Whitecaps have an option to buy, and he said yes, as you heard there, basically the Whitecaps have an option on his MLS rights at the end of 2017. Those rights do not include a set transfer fee from the Chinese club. So if, if Montero goes and lights it up, they might say, well, we want four, we want $5 million. And the Whitecaps are like, not we're happen. not going to pay that. That's not gonna so what that means is the Whitecaps will maintain his MLS rights. So if they don't want to pay the transfer fee, but say Seattle did, or Orlando did, or New York Red Bulls did, they'll say, yeah, we'll pay that transfer fee, we'll take Montero. They then have to give the Whitecaps something yeah. to get his MLS rights so they can pay the transfer fee to bring him to them. Although we should also probably say that there is a little bit confusion as to whether Montero is still actually going to be contracted to the, the Chinese club by the end of 2017. His contract may be up, he may be a free agent, in which case there might not be a transfer fee, but his wage demands are, are likely to go through the roof because it's rumoured he's going to be on 1.7 million, 1.77 million, which to me is a bit of a steal for a player of Montero's calibre and proven MLS quality, but you can be sure if the Whitecaps want him for 2018, particularly if he does well 2017, that salary is going to go through the roof. Crazy stuff. That's MLS. I mean, it's more crazy, Michael, because even though we now know the amounts that are being transferred, we don't know these amounts that they have. Right, we don't yeah. know how much how much allocation of money we're going to have next year. No one knows, yeah, partly because that's influence on where we finish, what complicated, how we do in certain competitions, all that kind of stuff. And as Robo said, he's hoping it's going to go up next year. Exactly, you know. target allocation. They just keep on adding that at a at, at a whim. Or yeah. well, it sounds like you, ask, you have some time. You yeah, have some yeah. time. So so those are 
hard reality. So they are risking something in the future for something, but, what they think will be something now, but we'll but, see. But if you look at it, um, the, that amount of money is not that big of a deal considering the you know how much a transfer fee would have been um, if they were to, like even loan fees, people play, pay loan fees for to bring somebody in for one year. It happens in Europe all the time. Yeah. So so that much money, and it's, it's really like, I think somebody was mentioning on Twitter, it was a mono, it's Monopoly money anyways. Yeah. It's not real money. It's, so it's, it's Disney fine. dollars, yeah, which Disney, is kind of the thing the, that, yeah. that they gave that to Minnie. Really. Yeah. yeah. But, two, other things about, two other things about this. One is, uh, you, one of the things that's being highlighted is his provenness in MLS. I think it, when you look at his numbers, I think one of the, the things that stands out and one of the things that f- good friends in Middle Cascadia have pointed out to me is that uh, he, he can, he's a bit of a streaky scorer, for one thing. And two, he's never ever scored in any of his something like 10 MLS cup matches. Uh, so he has not performed in the playoffs, which maybe doesn't matter for two, us. Two assists, sir. Which maybe doesn't matter for us so much because our only goal is just to get to the playoffs. And yeah. <laughs> no one cares about what happens when we get there, apparently. So um, the other thing is that I'll say this in terms of in terms of the whole principle behind the thing. I, I think um, even though I have the perspective I have on 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 players, former players from Seattle, uh, one one other example that people like to point out now is that people have discovered finally that Jordan Harvey went on loan to Seattle. You know that that to me is kind of a different because it was a loan spell, and also because again Jordan Harvey sh- has shown great respect to our club, has gone, shown great respect to our supporters, and has contributed on the pitch and wants to finish his career as a white cap. Yeah, and it's and a, maybe even beyond as well. Yeah. The other thing is, I think when talking about the principle of it all, is like when I was informed that this is what was happening, I, I felt like at least the people making decisions kind of know that there are people who have a certain perspective and kind of went out of their way to show respect for, for that. They didn't change their decision, obviously, but at least there was there's some level of understanding of, of this kind of perspective being amongst supporters and, and, and them trying to address that or connect with that ahead of time. And so on a personal level, I, I, you know, I appreciated, I appreciated that. So how he does is what everyone's wanting to, to see. When he'll make his white cap debut as well, no one's very sure. Robo talked about there that he'd love to play him in Wednesday's first leg against New York Red Bulls. He feels that that would be difficult. It would probably come a little bit too soon. He might be good to go in the second leg. He might not even be good to go until the season starts. We'll just have to wait and see about that. And it doesn't look like Montero is going to turn out for the Caps in their, their game against New York Red Bulls on Wednesday evening. First leg of the CONCACAF Champions League quarter-final. Robo said he's going to leave it up to the player. And the players get got back in training today on Sunday. And they're going to train a couple of days before heading to New York. If, he, if Montero feels he's good to go, he might take the risk. It is a bit of a risk. But when you look at the other options that might be up front and how those options played against Portland on Wednesday, yeah. I think it could be a risk worth taking. It's like, this is one of the biggest games in Whitecaps history during the MLS era. New York Red Bulls head coach just last week, Jesse Marsh, already said that to him it's the biggest game of the season. And it's the season hasn't even started yet. So it's a big game. Both teams really want to take it seriously. Both teams wanting to advance. Both teams wanting to make history for their sides. I feel you risk a player like Montero because without him, 
we don't have a lot going for us right now. No, and I think uh, because you're playing away, uh, I think you're really just typical two leg, uh, you know, playoff. You're you're going for a draw in the in the first game, trying to keep it scoreless. So I don't know how much attacking you're going to see against New York. I, I disagree. I, I, away goals rule count in this, so you well, need to score an away goal, I, at least one. If I not totally two. understand that, but in the past, whenever they played this kind of thing, they've always it seemed like going for the draw. They never seemed very inventive going forward. I'm just saying what I've seen. Are, are in you the talking past. about like Voyager's Cup final? And any kind of two league thing. League? I've never seen them go forward and, and attack in the first league. Look against Portland in the in the one year the playoff year. Uh, they they barely attacked Portland. Yeah, I I think it's vital that we score one, if not two, away goals, and we limit the damage on the defensive end. If we can keep a clean sheet, obviously that's ideal. Well, if we went two nothing, that's a fantastic. Yeah, if we went if we went two nothing, even two one, maybe even tie two two, but like we we need to get a we need to get a, a goal or two on the road. Which sounds like fantasy line, maybe yeah. based on the last three games of our of our preseason, but that's really what. If we're not trying to get an away goal, if we're just sitting back and trying to absorb pressure for the majority of the ninety minutes, we're in a lot of trouble. Oh, I know that. Because you with can that. be sure New York is going to come to BC Place eight days later, fired up and likely to get a goal. Although they haven't got a great record yeah, against the Whitecaps, yeah. but but they're, they're going to be so up for it and. I mean, my thinking of two-legged ties with the away goals rule has completely flipped over the years. I always wanted the second leg to be the home game. Now I don't. I wish we were at home in that first leg because, as Montreal showed perfectly in their run to the final, if you are the away team in the second leg, you know exactly what you need to do. And if you can kill the tie off with an early goal and get that, that's what you do. There's been some people who've been talking the Caps' chances up because of the fact that Dead Bull has been so poor in in knockout home and away series recently yeah. or recent years. So uh, again, take that with a grain of salt. But like I, I I agree, we've done really well at Dead Bull Arena. We have some great results, some great victories. We've some great goals. Some that, great goals. Some, yeah. some, some really surprising wins as well. Totally. Yeah. Kenny Miller's header yeah. was amazing. The ones where you don't expect, you were thinking, okay, look, yeah. let's just get out of here, we'll maybe lose it 2 nothing. Great Clazura's performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's not talk about that. Better, I think. <laughs> poor, poor great. He's a good kid. Uh, hey, we won the game, man. Yeah, somehow. But it's going to be a tough tie. Anyone want to make any predictions? Let's get the dog in here. Yeah, Predictor Pooch, we, we need to get him back in this program. If anyone hasn't heard Predictor Pooch before, you're missing out. Check our YouTube channel. We've got some video of him. I, I'm going to go for a 2-0 New York win in that first leg. I'll go 1-0 to draw. Okay, I'll be, con- I'll be contrarian just for the fun. I'll say 2-1 to Vancouver. Okay, let's see how that plays out. I mean, I hope it's an attacking display. We no, have I got- don't see it happening. <laughs> I don't know, I mean... I'm just saying past history. The, I'm the just thing is, it. you've got a, a player like Christian Teixeira, who has thrived in this CONCACAF Champions League environment. As has Eric Hurtado. As has Eric Hurtado, Churchill. But we're playing against MLS competition. Yeah. We, I, I, I know we did We're going to be playing well. against full strength full MLS strength competition. Full strength. Although, bizarrely, New York Red Bulls actually have a have friendly a, against <laughs> Houston that, that night. It's weird how their preseason has, has worked out. But... Teixeira seems to raise himself in this competition. And with the moves that's coming, and possibly moves that might be to come, 
Teixeira is a player that could find himself on the chopping block, a player that Robinson might want to trade. So he might want to put himself in the shop window a little bit as well. And that's what frustrates us, as we've said so many times on this show. He's up and down. You know he can do it. He just doesn't do it consistently. You're right, though. He has been on fire in this competition. It would be nice to see him continue that form. He's he's my hope that the Whitecaps might sneak a goal and get away with a 2-1 defeat. A 2-1 defeat, I would take that right now. And then hopefully have Montero good to go and banging the goals in in the second leg. Yeah, we'll, we'll look over that game in next Sunday's show and we'll, we'll kind of see how things went. Now, though, we're going to take a little break from the Whitecaps and bring you our favourite new segment of the show, Wavelength. Wavelength is the part of the show where we bring you a football-related tune by a proper band. No football chants, actual proper music here. This week we're going back to 1982. A little bit of punk rock for you. The debut single from a Norwich band called Serious Drinking. They were kind of a, a punk band that had a little bit of, of humour to their songs. A lot of their songs were about football. A lot of them were about drinking. This one is about football. As you say, it's from their debut EP of the same name. And this is called Love on the Terraces. I gave up on the same 
That was Love on the Terraces there from Norwich punk band Serious Drinking from their 1982 EP of the same name. You can also find it on their Greatest Hits compilation, The Revolution Starts at Closing Time. And that song was kind of a retort to the angelic upstart song Blood on the Terraces, which was all about football violence and football fighting. Serious Drinking wanted to say that, hey, you could do that, but you can also find love as well. And as you all know, we all love football here at AFTN. So for this final segment of the podcast, we're going to bring you a player interview. And it's the one of the longest players that, that's been at the Whitecaps. And by longest, I don't mean like really tall. No, not, not, not like yet, not Five like Kendall two, Boston. Eyes of Blue. Russell Tybert's after you. But no, we, we got a chance, or Zach got a chance to, to catch up with Russell Tybert down in Portland. Sunday passed um, after the RSL game. Russell started that game, was captain of the, the squad on, on that occasion. And it's, a, it's an interesting interview. A little bit maybe terse at times. But Russell Russell isn't the easiest interview. He, he's a guy that doesn't allow any negativity in his life. And sometimes he is hard to kind of get in a full flow with an interview. So we he thought, loves unicorns. Yeah. S- send Zach down. Long-time friend. See if we can get any more out of him. Did it work? Find out for yourself. Here's Russell Tiber. Russell, how you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. Okay, it's uh, it's been an up and down couple of years for you at the club with injuries, competition for places, that kind of stuff. Uh, do you feel this is something of a crucial season for you career-wise? No, I wouldn't say it's an up and down season uh, to begin with, so I think that cancels out the question. No, like it, it, the last the last year was kind of up and down with some injuries. Yeah, stuff. again, I wouldn't say it's up okay. and down, uh, so I think that cancels out that question. Uh, I think every year is a crucial year for you as a professional, so... Uh, you try and do your best you can, and uh, that's my attitude going into this year. You started against RSL today, you're captain the side, but have had limited minutes in the preseason so far. How are you feeling right now uh, after your injuries from last year? Yeah. Uh, you seem to be back to being like fully fit and fully ready. Yeah, I think everybody has had limited minutes, so <laughs> I think, again, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, how, do you feel about, how do you feel about today? Yeah, I feel, I feel good about today. Um, uh, I feel good anytime I get a chance to go on the field, and, and today was another opportunity to do so. Um, anytime I put the Whitecaps jersey on, I give my best and uh, continue to do so. Okay. Uh, the DM position is stacked, as it's always kind of been, and you'll need to keep uh, pushing hard to be in the mix for regular minutes and starts. Where do you see yourself fitting into the team this season, and what do you feel you need to do to keep constantly knocking at Robbo's door? Yeah, um, I think every position is, is uh, there's healthy competition in each position, um, not just the defensive midfield position. Uh, again, you can only do your best and and try to play to your capabilities and qualities um, within the team concept. Uh, you try to do what the manager asks you to do, and uh, obviously being consistent on a week-to-week basis is, is going is what's going to keep you in the team. Um, there's great players in, in this Whitecaps organization, so uh, the, co- <laughs> to what I say, <laughs> the, the competition is healthy, and uh, you know, 
I look forward to competing and, and training hard with these guys every day. And, and if given the opportunity on the weekend, uh, I always enjoy playing with the Whitecaps. Uh, Robbo has said uh, he's still looking to add a, a couple of pieces. But what do you make of the team right now at the moment? How competitive do you think we'll be this season? Um, I think uh, every game we've progressed this, this season just in a sense that we're taking new things on board. Um, we're trying to do what the manager's asking us to do. Um, the team is coming together quite nicely. I think everybody's kind of feeling that in the locker room. Uh, we've had a couple. We scored a bunch of goals so far this preseason, which is which is good a good thing for us because I think that's something that we struggled with in the, uh, last season. Um, we've added some quality, and I think like like you alluded to, the the manager said he's going to add some more pieces. So, uh, like Jordy gets a goal today, so you know that that's that's a positive thing for us. Um, but I don't think it's going to be down to to one or two players that will, you know, uh, make a. Uh, a massive difference between us being in a certain place or a different place. I think you know certain quality can can be a difference maker. Certain players can be a difference maker. Um, but again, we need to perform as a team. We need to perform as eleven, as an eighteen, and uh, that I think that healthy competition with players coming in, the players that we have now, is what's going to drive us on to be a playoff contender. Um, for yourself, many many of us want to see that Russell Tybert return from 2013, the two goals, the nine assists, and just the form and, and the fire you had that year. Uh, your laser against Minnesota the other night uh, shows it's still there. Uh, do you feel that you can recapture that form and be a, maybe the attacking midfield piece the club have been missing at times? Uh, I think, again, that's a difficult question. Um, I feel when I was playing my best, we won a Canadian championship. Um, and I wasn't, I, w- I don't think that was in 2013. Um, you know, like, I don't think last season was an up and down season. Um, I think, you know, there's certain things that are out of your control. And, and when I think the, my goal for this season is, is, for one, just to be happy and, and to, to be healthy and, and really enjoy my time as a professional soccer player. Okay, if last year, one question about that. If last year wasn't an, kind of an up and down season, whether for you or for, for the club, how would you describe last year? What, 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 how do you think yeah, about last year from your mindset? Yeah, it was a test. And uh, a test, um, when you say test, you mean like something that shapes you, molds you, and helps you move forward, kind of? That's a great way to put it. Uh, you know, what tests do, they challenge you, and, and it's how you come out of those tests and how you move forward. And, and like I said, to put it very vague, it was a test. Uh, you're always held uh, up as a poster boy of the residency program mm-hmm. and have also been held up as a future captain of the club. Do you feel either of those things puts an, any added pressure on your shoulders? or, or how, I mean, you captain the side today. How do you feel about, about those kind of things? I feel great. You know, that's a pressure I've, I've wanted and I've had on me since uh, I was a teenager. Um, I enjoy that. Um, it would be an honor to be a captain of this club. Anytime I get a chance to wear the armband, I'm very proud. Uh, because I have spent many years uh, playing for this club, many years in Vancouver. It's become my home. This has become my family. The club I hold very uh, close to my heart. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy every opportunity I get to play with the Whitecaps. Just to follow up on that, like you, you have been the most, for lack of a better word, successful player that has come through the residency. Do you, how do you, what can we do as a club? Are there, are there things that you, yeah, we, I think that's over my head. I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to really want to answer that question because what worked for me may not work for a different player. I, I don't know the formula. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to enjoy my time as a soccer player. Okay. So even though maybe you don't, we don't want to go on that to detail, 
uh, are these things that you haven't put on or that you talk to people about or do people ever seek your perspective? Uh, no, no, I haven't uh, haven't spoke to anyone about that. Uh, my path is different from from uh, other players' past. And like I said, if I, what worked for me may not work for someone else. Um, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still working every day, trying to get better every day, and, and I will continue to do so. Cool. Okay, last one. No worries, man. Um, it's uh, it's a big couple of weeks coming up for the club Absolutely. with the Champions League quarterfinal. Yeah. Uh, it's right around the corner. As a player that's been at the club for so long, suffering missing out on this competition uh, for so many years, what would it mean to you personally to make history with the club, getting through to the semifinal stage of, of the CCL and hopefully even further? Yeah, um, we watched another Canadian club do it uh, in the past, and it was it was incredible to watch Montreal do it. Um, I think we want to do the exact same thing, except uh, win in the final. But, uh, you know, it would be... I remember the feeling of, of winning that Canadian Championship, um, I think two years ago it was, um, and the joy that we had uh, raising a trophy in front of our fans and uh, given an opportunity to do that again, to have an opportunity to get to that again, is, uh, it means a lot, and I know every, it would mean a lot for this entire locker room, for the club, you know, to give, to give the city of Vancouver something to cheer about because we saw how much it meant on that day. Yeah. So Russell Tybert there just talking about all things Whitecaps, not agreeing that he had a, an up and down season, not agreeing that this is possibly a make or break season for him either. But you have to feel it is with the, the players that's coming in, all the rumours that Atiba Hutchinson could be coming into the DM role, Ben McKendry really knocking at the door to, to try and get first team minutes, Andrew Jacobson really looking the part in the DM role whenever he does come in. It's it's a really, really big season, I feel, for Russell. No, I totally agree. Zach obviously uh, spoke to him, but um, he, like, when you say up and down season, I think the reason why he couldn't agree with it, because I think he thought it was maybe a down season the whole year. He barely got on the pitch last year. Even when he was healthy, he couldn't get on the pitch. And then he was injured most of the season. So I think I think this year is going to be a test for him. As he said I, uh, for last year, I think it'll be a test for him this year too. I think if he doesn't, progress enough I think not only will the Whitecaps might want to have see him move on I think he might himself want to see himself move on and try to find opportunity elsewhere the thing I, I appreciate about Russell and enjoy about Russell when he when he gives interviews to whoever is he he doesn't answer maybe the way that most of our players or most athletes do he has like a yeah he has a certain worldview he has a certain uh, way of thinking about things and he really expresses that. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with being positive. I, I'm just, I was kidding about the unicorn thing, obviously, from yeah. the, before they it's, it's just New Day from the WWE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but, uh, um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with being positive. But he, you have to maybe... Because if you're too positive, you, you sometimes open yourself up to more criticism from fans who don't feel like you're looking at the game realistically. That's an that's issue that some people have with Robbo sometimes. Or uh, Rennie before that, too. Yeah, Ren but, Rennie particularly. But, yeah. but part of that is the people just getting frustrated with people not seeing things the same way that they do. Yeah. So when Russell says, I view last year as a test, yeah, yeah I think, oh, I, I think I, that I, was a good response. No, yeah. yeah. So I think he, he says, 
I think he would say, I think he would look at it as it's something that you, you grow from. It's something that shapes you hopefully for the better as you move forward, whether others see that as positive or negative or good or bad or ups and downs or whatever, that doesn't matter. Uh, He has his way of approaching things and looking at things. And I think that's good. And he also with that, and again, not just with this interview, but with all his interviews, I like that he has almost like in a positive way, not in a cocky negative way. He has a swagger about himself. Like, he carries himself in a certain way. He talks in those interviews in a certain way, and I, I don't know. I I, I appreciate it. I kind of I kind of like it. He just has to translate what he, how he is off the pitch, yeah, and he truly does. It. You're 100 percent right about the swagger part. He just has to translate that on the pitch with results, and, okay. then, and then he'll be fine. Okay, talking about let's talk about this preseason if we can a little bit about Russell specifically. I think that one of the things that it holds it. Not holds him back, but one of the things that I think is uh, he's had some, I think, moments we said we would say were, were promising in, the, in this preseason, and some moments less so, perhaps. But one of the things that I think has been frustrating for him, and, and probably most of our players, is that we have not had a preseason at all, in any way, shape, or form, being able to play what most people, or even what Robbo would think is, a, is our best 11. So when you, took, when you look at Russell Tybert and you say, when are his greatest contributions? In, when, have been, when have been his greatest contributions to our side? You go back when he was playing with what was the best of eleven, yep. and even though he was playing in a role that was somewhat different, he still was able to contribute with our best players on the field. I think if you put Russell Tybert with our other best ten players on the pitch, I think he, I think he will contribute. I agree with hundred percent. I think he, like some of the best things he's done is his marking and like, like for example, a Robbie Keane. He just shut. He has shut right. down Robbie yeah. Keane a number of times, or or Clint Dempsey. Then everyone, Cl- the, the, yeah. The ch- and so the he has shown. He has shown signs. It's just about being consistent, and like you said, getting him on the pitch with the the best players. And I think he has, he definitely has a, has a good season ahead of him. It's hard to see really how he can get regular minutes. I mean, even if he comes in and does well, he does lack. Like when you've got Lava, he's a defensive minded DM. He goes forward a little bit and once in a blue moon has a, a great shot and maybe gets a goal. Russell is too similar. Russell seems to have lost every attacking piece of his game. I mean, the question there that, that was asked was, where is the Russell Tiber of 2013? And he finds that weird because he doesn't see 2013 as a successful season. And it wasn't because the Whitecaps didn't make the playoffs. And he looks at successful seasons like when the Whitecaps won the Voyagers Cup for the first time. Or 2015 when they had their best ever record. But he didn't contribute in that season. Whereas in 2013, he got two goals, but he got nine assists. And he had that amazing burst of two months to kind of like 12 weeks where he was outstanding. And he had great games against Robbie Keane, as you said. But for whatever reason, he seems to have lost every attacking part of his game. Has he been neutered? Yeah, I mean, it's clearly there. He got that laser in the, the game against Minnesota. So it, it is there. But will we ever see that Russell again? And what what's stopping it happening? Is it just the formation just doesn't suit his style of play? I would say that that does play a little bit of a role because we're asking our... It looks like even this preseason more so than last year especially, we're asking our fullbacks to get... Or especially two years ago, I should say. We're asking our fullbacks to get forward and provide a lot more attacking width, and therefore the double shield has to play a bigger role um, in terms of defensive cover. And so my 
looking at it, my, my, my guess would be that part of that is tactical. It's not, it's, he's begin, being given less of a free roll to get forward um, than, than definitely when he was playing you know, out wide in, 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 a, in a top three. Well, we'll see what happens with Russell this season. I don't think he's going to be the guy that's starting against New York this coming Wednesday. It looks like that's going to be Jacobson and Laba. But will Russell do well? I mean, he he's the guy that's been at the club the longest. He's, as we said there, the poster boy for guys coming through the residency programme. I, I feel it's a make-or-break season for him, even if he doesn't, and we'll just have to see how that goes. But that's it for this episode of the show. Just before we go, we'll just let everyone know where you can find us online. Steve? You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsPete. On Twitter, I'm ZacharyAM. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm AFTN Canada on Twitter. You can read all our stuff, AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. Also, the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so check out all my stuff on that. Also, check out a few things on AFTN about our premium podcast that we launched this week. It's a way of helping to support the site allowing us to, to bring you even more coverage than we do already and just keep the top quality coverage going for the Whitecaps in a fastly disappearing and changing Vancouver sports marketplace. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. And until next time, take care and mourn the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.